In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. <clears throat> I greet you once again from Holy Transfiguration Orthodox Church in Crawfordsville, Indiana. And I thank you for joining us today for this study on the awesome Biblical Orthodox view of existence above and beyond. Our mission here at Holy Transfiguration is to experience and share the love of Jesus Christ in a traditional Orthodox Christian community growing in godliness. In today's study, we're going to continue to look at the Great Flood and then talk about the Tower of Babel. So I'm going to read to you the narrative, kind of a summarized narrative of the flood account, the rest of the flood account, and then the story of the Tower of Babel. So God prepared Noah. He gave uh, the people of the earth 120 years to get ready, a long time. Then God prepared Noah by telling him how to build the ark. And Noah built the ark and got the animals on the ark and his family. They were shut in the ark by the Lord himself. And then the flood occurred. Noah had lived to a very great age when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And God said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all who are with you. Seven days from now I will cause it to rain upon the earth for forty days and forty nights. And every living thing I have made I will destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. He entered the ark with Shem and Ham and Japheth, his sons, his own wife, the wives of his sons. Birds and beasts and creeping things of every kind came to Noah. Notice it says that they came to Noah. God did not, Noah did not have to go out and round up the animals. This was another miraculous work of God. The animals came to Noah and they got on the ark two by two, male and female, as God had commanded. Very important that we understand this is how it was done. Then the Lord shut Noah in the ark, and the waters of the flood were upon the earth. All the fountains of the great deep were broken up. In other words, the ground, the earth uh, suffered uh, earthquakes, volcanoes, all kinds of disruption of the earth, and the waters of the deep were broken up. The windows of heaven were opened. The layer of, of water above the sky was opened up and became uh, a flood of water. The rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. The waters swelled and lifted the ark above the earth. The flood spread and the waters continued to rise upon the earth, and the ark floated upon the face of the water. The waters rose higher and higher upon the earth until all the high mountains under heaven were covered. Forty-five feet more did the waters rise above the high mountains, and they were indeed covered. Notice the details. Notice the exact numbers. Again, the historicity of this 
flood account is not to be questioned. It's been proven, it's been verified by archaeology, geology, all kinds of scientific study affirm the reality of this event. Every living thing that moved upon the earth died. Birds, cattle, beasts, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth and every man. All in whose nostrils was the breath of life, every man and every living thing which was upon the face of the ground were destroyed. Only Noah and those who were with him remained alive. God remembered Noah and every living creature with him in the ark. God caused a wind to pass over the earth and to quiet the waters. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. The waters receded for a hundred and fifty days, so that in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark rested on the Mount of Ararat, which is a mountain that exists today in Turkey, and so it is a very historic place. And the waters continued to decrease until the first day of the tenth month when the peaks of the mountains were seen. At the end of forty days, Noah opened the window of the ark and sent out a raven, which flew to and fro. He also sent out a dove to see if the waters had dried from the ground anywhere. The dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned to the ark, for the waters still covered the earth. So Noah put out his hand and took her back into the ark. He waited seven more days, and once again he sent out the dove. The dove came back to him in the evening, and when she did so, there was in her mouth a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had receded from the face of the earth. Noah waited still another seven days before he sent out the dove. This time the dove did not return. The water had dried from the earth, so Noah opened the window of the ark. He looked out and saw that the ground was dry. God spoke to Noah, saying, Take with you the birds, the cattle, and every living thing that is with you, that they may breed and raise their young and multiply upon the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird went out of the ark. And Noah built an altar to the Lord and offered him burnt offerings of every clean beast and every clean fowl. The Lord smelled the sweet odor and said in his heart, I will not curse the ground any more for man's sake, nor will I ever again strike down every living thing as I have done. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The fear and dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the air, upon all that moves on the earth and move and upon the fishes of the sea. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Notice this is a difference from the before the beginning the beginning of creation, this was not to be the case, that the animals were not to be food for men. But now it says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. As once I gave you the green plants, now I have given you all these things. 
And God continued saying, Behold, I make my promise to you and to your children after you, and to every living creature that is with you, and to every living beast of the earth, to the birds and the cattle and all who come out of the ark. I promise ne that never again will fl all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, nor will a flood destroy the earth. This promise is a covenant which I make between myself and you and every creature that is with you throughout all generations without end. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and this rainbow shall be a token of the covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. I will look upon it, and I will remember the everlasting covenant between me and you and every living creature upon the earth. And Noah lived a long time after the flood, and was a very old man when he died. Sons were born unto the sons of Noah after the flood, and they went forth and were the fathers of the nations of the earth. <clears throat> After God made the covenant with Noah, Noah's descendants increased greatly, and one generation succeeded another. People at this time, the earth over, were of one language and one speech. And as men journeyed eastwards, they entered a plain in the land of Shinar, where they settled. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks for stone, and they had slime for mortar. And they said, Let us build a city and a tower, whose top may reach up to heaven. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. God came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men were building, <coughs> and said, <coughs> The people of the earth are one language, one people, and have only one language. If they begin to do this, nothing will restrain them from doing whatever they conceive. Let us go down, therefore, and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So God scattered them abroad upon the face of the earth, and they left off the building of the city. And the name of the place is Babel. For there it was that the Lord made a confusion of the language of the earth, and it was in this manner that the Lord scattered the people over the face of the earth. The Tower of Babel is an edifice that 
one united group of people gathered together and began to build. And they, at that time, shared one language. We don't know exactly the motivation behind this, but the general feeling was that it was an act of pride, and then whether it was not something that was commanded by God, but it was something they took upon themselves to exalt themselves. They described it as something they would build that would reach up to heaven which expresses the desire to be like God, apart from God, to exalt themselves, and as just as we see in the first sin of Adam and Eve, whose pride caused them to disobey God, it was the sin of Satan himself who rebelled against God, desiring to be like God or above God, so these people who were about, about nine generations after Noah. About nine generations, about a hundred and, let's see, approximately 120 years. after Noah. One hundred and six years after Noah, after the Great Flood, is when this occurred. We see that nine generations had passed, and they took it upon themselves to commit the same sin that Adam and Eve had committed, that Satan had committed, the sin of pride. It should be a stern warning to all of us to resist pride in our own lives. To kind of give you a time frame of what we're looking at here, the Based on the genealogies and the chronology and the history that we read in the book of Genesis, the age of the earth is considered to be around 6,500 to 7,000 years old. The creation, the time between the creation and the flood was about 1,600 years. And the time between the Flood and the Tower of Babel was about 106 years. It would be another approximately 300 more years before the calling of Abraham. But getting back to the Tower of Babel, going a little farther back before the Tower of Babel, at the Great Flood, 
talked about the, the deep depths of the earth being opened up. This was through volcanic activity, through earthquakes. It is believed by creation scientists that it, is, it was at this point that the, the shape of the earth, or the, the continents, were formed in a different, different fashion than before the flood. Continental splitting took place. And that was at this point, right after the flood, 100 and so, 106 years approximately after the flood, that the Tower of Babel was, began to be built by the people. And according to the account, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the sons of men built. Then the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one race and one language, and they have begun to do what they said. Now they will not fail to accomplish what they have undertaken. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language. Again, we see the pronoun us while God is speaking. Again, this is Trinitarian language. This is the Father speaking to the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let us go down there and confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city and the tower. Therefore its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the languages of all the earth, and from there the Lord God scattered them over abroad over the face of the earth. Archaeologists believe that the Tower of Babel was actually what was commonly known as a ziggurat, which is a, a word actually for a pyramidal bed of flowers, a series of terraces, uh, incrementally smaller terraces built on top of one another. <clears throat> so it would be square in shape, but each level would get smaller and begin to form a pyramid. This is uh, supported by the fact that ziggurats have been found in many places of the world, but spreading out from that area where the Tower of Babel would have been located. There's also, there are also those people who study language, study the languages of the, of the world, and although there are approximately 1,700 different languages throughout the world, people who study language believe that there are basically 100 uh, language families that all the other languages come from. <coughs> and archaeological discoveries and, and anthropological studies <coughs> seem to verify this likelihood, or what the Bible uh, proclaims as truth, that at one point there was only one language, and then it spread out to many families of languages, and then as people continue to, 
to separate and settle in other places, different forms of those fam language families began to be developed, finally to the point today where we have nearly 1,700 different languages. <clears throat> there are other uh, anthropological and historical confirmations of the, these Old Testament events of the creation, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. One of these is the, uh, the reoccurrence of the names, the name of Noah in different uh, cultures who have stories about the Great Flood, different forms of the name of Noah. There are also many uh, accounts of the of tower legends in different cultures, especially the cultures surrounding that part of the world where the Tower of Babel would have been built. So all these are affirmations that the biblical account is not mythology, but is actually a historical account of what happened in those early years of the earth. <clears throat> in the church, we have a hymn which we sing on the Feast of Pentecost. It talks about how the Tower of Babel was the led to the confusion of the tongues and the separation of people. And we see as an antitype of this, the day of Pentecost in the church, the birthday of the church, where on that day, Jews from all over the civilized world would return to Jerusalem for the feast. And on this particular day, the, the apostles were gathered in prayer and the Holy Spirit fell, fell upon them and there. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they received the gift of languages to be able to speak in a way that the people from all of these different countries, different areas where the Jews who had come back to celebrate the feast were able to hear the gospel in their own language. By this we see that pride leads to separation, pride leads to alienation and violence and the tearing apart of people. Whereas humility and love and devotion to God lead to the bringing together of all people. And this is experienced in a beautiful way by the Holy Orthodox Church, which exists throughout the world. Even though we speak in many languages, when we come together for the Divine Liturgy, we all speak one common language, and that is a heavenly language. And we, you can go to, the, go to a church anywhere in the world. And regardless of the language, an Orthodox Christian can participate in that liturgy. They may not know the exact content of everything that is said, but they basically they understand the whole content of the fixed part of the liturgy. And they're able to say the prayers, to sing the hymns, and participate in the liturgy because they've been united in the one Holy Spirit, to Jesus Christ in the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. I thank you again for joining me today and I pray that God will be with you and bless you and your loved ones, keep you safe and healthy. If you would like to contact me, you can ask questions uh, either on the Facebook page, make a comment on the Facebook page, or you can contact me by email at fatheralexmiller at gmail.com. 
the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Glory be to Jesus Christ.